Welcome to the Coffee Surf Yoga Wine Podcast. I'm your host, Carrie Tambio. Do you want to live a life that makes you happy, healthy, and well? On this podcast, we'll explore wellness insights and inspiration that will help you to cultivate more joy and well-being. I want you to live your best, most beautiful, and vibrant life. Because when we nourish ourselves, we nourish our families, our communities, and our world. Thank you for joining me on this journey to well-being. I'm so glad you're here. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Coffee Surf Yoga Wine Podcast. On today's episode, I'll be talking with Scarlett Lewis, founder of the Choose Love Movement. Scarlett founded Choose Love after she experienced the unthinkable. Her six-year-old son, Jesse, was killed during the Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting in December of 2012. It was one of the worst mass shootings in U.S. history. Shortly after his death, Scarlett decided to be part of the solution to the issues that we're seeing in our society today, and that also caused the tragedy. She created the Choose Love movement and became an advocate for character development and social and emotional learning, or SEL, which teaches children how to manage their emotions, feel connected, and have healthy relationships. Through our conversation, Scarlett shares how choosing love can help both children and adults to live happier, healthier lives. As a parent and as an educator, this conversation was especially near and dear to my heart, and I know you are going to get so much out of it. Here's the amazing Scarlett Lewis. Hello, Scarlett. Welcome. It is such an honor to have you here today. I have been so inspired by your work for many years, actually, um, and I'm just so impressed by all of the work you've done with the Choose Love movement. Um, So it is such a privilege to have you here today. Thank you so much, Carrie. I'm so excited to be here on your show. So one of the things that I find striking about the Choose Love movement is how you've taken a tragedy and you've turned it into transformation. So can you please share about why you started this movement and how it led to a transformation? Yeah, absolutely. And that's such a great question. Um, That's the key to all of it, actually, I think. And there's actually a scientific term for it that I didn't know before starting Choose Love. And I was actually just writing about it before coming on your show. So it's fresh in my mind. Um, But it's called post-traumatic growth. It's so interesting that as human beings, we are actually designed to grow through difficult So that means learning from trying times and growing through them and even being strengthened by by the challenges in our life. And I think that this is such an important concept and one that's not talked about enough. There's a lot of focus on PTSD and everybody's heard of that term. That's what we think of first when tragedy strikes. And I really think that if we planted the seeds 
the awareness of post-traumatic growth in everyone, especially our kids. It would help them be able to have more courage when they face difficulty and different expectations. They would assign different meaning to the, the whatever's happening and, and even find uh, purpose in, in the passion that that creates. I mean, all of this happened for me and I didn't know about it, but kind of lived it and then tried to look and see if there was a term for it and that we could, if we could replicate it for other people. Um, basically my whole journey started with the murder of uh, my six-year-old son, Jesse at Sandy Hook Elementary School and then realizing that that was 100% preventable as all school shootings are. And so trying to figure out how I could be part of the solution, what I could do personally to bring about a transformation to help our educators and kids feel and be safe at school and to prioritize our children's safety, not only safety, but health and well-being. And so 10 years later, I'm still doing this. And I feel grateful for being put on this path, for being given this mission, even though it started with a horrific tragedy. My six-year-old son left the message that really guided and has guided my way for the last 10 years of nurturing healing love on our kitchen chalkboard, I knew when I saw that, that that was the solution. It was so simple that that if, if the shooter, who was a former, a recent former graduate of the Newtown school system, went to that very same elementary school, if he had been able to give and receive nurturing healing love, the tragedy would never have happened. It seems so simple uh, what Jesse wrote, that, that if this young man had been able to love himself, he wouldn't have wanted to harm himself or other people. And so I thought, wow, how can I get this message into schools? And, and I just started talking about it and it kind of took off. Wow, there is so much to unpack there. You know, I can't even imagine going through what you went through um, as a mother and as a parent. So how have you been able to be so strong despite everything that happened? You know, my strength came, I think, from the very beginning in focusing on what I had, focusing on my gratitudes. And from the very beginning, I had friends and family that came in from all four corners of the country. Uh, I had the I had the love of the world and that really helped me that there was so much media attention to Sandy Hook and there was so much outpouring of love for the victims' families. And I really paid attention to that. Where your attention goes, your energy flows. And I just focused on the love. I opened my heart up to all of that. And of course, I had a surviving son. He was 12 years old at the time. And I knew that he was watching everything that I did, not just words out of my mouth, but every action, every reaction. And he was learning in the moment how to 
handle, how to manage difficulty in his life going forward. And I thought literally in the moment, how do I want JT to handle difficulty in his life going forward? I have to be that person right now. And it really helped me rise to the occasion. I had practiced before the tragedy, being present in the moment with my kids so that I could thoughtfully respond. So that really gave me, I think, a head start. The other thing that really helped with strength is my faith. I have a very strong faith and I knew that uh, I knew where Jesse was going. I know where he is. I believe that we will be reunited one day. And I believe that I still have work to do on this earth and that I will be here for as long as that work takes. Yeah. And the work that you're doing is benefiting so many people. And I just commend you on how you've been able to have this strength and how you're really exemplifying actually the qualities and the character traits that you're teaching through your program. So can you tell us a bit more about uh, Choose Love program? I know that you have a Choose Love formula and you've kind of been touching on some of the aspects of it already, but can you tell us more about your Choose Love formula and also how this applying this formula can actually really support our well-being? I live by the Choose Love formula every single day of my life. And those that know me know that to be true. I literally practice this in every aspect of my life very consciously. And the formula is is here. It uh, actually is a, a derivation of Jesse's message of nurturing, healing, love. So it starts with courage. And uh, of course, Jesse showed tremendous courage during his final moments when he stood up to the shooter and saved nine of his classmates' lives um, before losing his own. And, you know, that is the capacity for courage that we all have. I started thinking about that courage that I had heard about very, very early on. And I realized that if my six-year-old son could stand up to a shooter coming into his first grade classroom and save nine of his classmates' lives before losing his own, I absolutely can quit my job which uh, was a decision that I had to make, which wasn't an easy one as a single mom with now one surviving child and start an organization that will spread nurturing, healing, love. I, I have the same capacity for Jesse's courage. And then looking into the science behind courage, I found that courage is like a muscle. We can actually practice it to strengthen it. So I do do practices to strengthen, strengthen my courage every single day because that's where it starts. And then nurturing means loving kindness and gratitude. You know, I talked about practicing gratitude the day of the tragedy, just focusing on what I 
had in the moment uh, and what I had with Jesse, uh, what I had with Jesse, the life that I had for six years was tremendous. It doesn't mean that it was enough. I wanted more. I should have had more, but what we had was really amazing. And I knew that I had a lot of blessings in my life. And so I chose to focus on those rather than what I had lost. And then healing literally means forgiveness. And forgiveness is such an important part of my healing journey. It, it, it you know, interestingly enough, um, I forgave the shooter very, very early on. I, I actually felt compassion for him. And that might be hard for some of your listeners to understand how I could feel compassion for the young man that murdered Jesse. But I knew that someone who could do something so heinous must have been in a tremendous amount of pain. And I started learning very early on about Adam and his life. And he had a lot of pain in his life from very young. He was neglected. He was uh, uh, suffered abuse. He was bullied. He was isolated. Uh, he had needs that were known that weren't met. And this was all the way through his life. And he did not have skills and tools to be able to manage all of those hurts piled on top of one another. And we know that those grievances can lead to attacks. That is what the Department of Homeland Security calls the pathway to violence. And so I felt compassion for him. I mean, I could tell some stories now that your listeners would also feel compassion. Like when Adam was in first grade, going to the same school, sitting in the same classrooms that he went back to perpetrate the crime in, came with a backpack filled with birthday invitations and uh, that he and his mom had created. He passed them out to all of his classmates and no one came to his birthday party. Uh, flash forward to fifth grade when he was still attending Sandy Hook Elementary School. He had written a story as part of an assignment. It was called The Book of Granny. And uh, he'd actually he'd actually copied it, hand copied it and brought in copies of this story that he intended to sell, but they were taken. The book was about a witch that came to Sandy Hook Elementary School with a broomstick. This broomstick opened into a semi-automatic weapon and she murdered children. And so this story, these booklets were taken, but there was no follow through. And if you think about it from his point of view, and, you know, I've researched now and spoken with a lot of uh, former school shooters, or at least a few, uh, which seems like a lot to me. Um, and, and I know that they crave to be seen and they cry out for help and not in the ways that we would expect, like, you know, raising their hand in class and saying, excuse me, I need help. Can you make an appointment at a therapist or however, however that would go down? They write 
things. They post things on social media, oftentimes months in advance of, of their attack. They want people to notice. And the more outrageous their claims and the less that people notice them, the angrier and, and less worthy they feel. And so, you know, he had cried out for help and was ignored. And so, you know, that's very difficult. And I think that awareness needs to be spread of even that because, you know, this this whole journey has led to my philosophy where I say that there are only two kinds of people in this world. There are good people, good people like the ones listening to your podcast, for sure. You and I that are trying to do good in this world and spread a good message, but also good people in pain, good people that have suffered trauma and they do not have the skills and tools to manage that pain. So the only way that they know, the only outlet they have is to either cause harm, the harm that they feel has been caused them to themselves and or others. And I think we need to really understand the humanity of what's happening today in our world, to see the humanity in each other, that we're all human beings. We're all doing the best that we can with the skills and tools that we have. And we are responsible for one another's well-being. We as adults are responsible for our children's safety, health, and well-being. And I don't think I was even aware to the full extent until I sent my child to school one day with, as his dad says, a book bag, and we picked him up in a body bag. That is still my responsibility. And so 10 years later, I'm spreading that message as well. Hey, look, this isn't our politicians' responsibility. It's not our president's responsibility. It's not our leadership's responsibility. And by the way, it's not their priority. <laughs> it's It's got to be ours. And the good news about all of this is that the opposite of anxiety, the anxiety that a lot of us are feeling, you know, if COVID is a pandemic, then anxiety is a super, 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 super pandemic. The opposite of anxiety is positive action. And there's always something that we can do. And uh, and this gets me back to the formula. I went off on a little tangent. I apologize. Um, so forgiveness, so important. Forgiveness is a gift that you give yourself. So forgiveness was a gift that I gave myself. Too often, we don't understand forgiveness. We think that it's a gift that we give someone who doesn't deserve it, who's hurt us. But in reality, forgiveness is for the forgiver. It is a path to freedom. And for some of us, it's the only path to freedom. And we have to teach about forgiveness. It is such an important part, uh, an imperative part of healthy relationships. And we know that healthy relationships are the key to happiness, the happiness that we all so seek <laughs> so diligently in our lives. And then the last character value in the formula for choosing love is compassion in action. And we started talking about compassion in action today. And that is when you identify a need 
And then you actively do something to help ease that need. And here's the key to compassion and action. And it's for everyone. And probably the most important thing that I'll say today, when we have the courage to step outside of our own busyness and distraction, even pain and suffering to help someone else, we help and heal ourselves. So you started out by saying, well, how are you so strong? And it is literally because I have identified a need and I continue every single day to help serve the need that I see. And that in turn strengthens me. It is incredible. It's true. It works. It's the most powerful healing agent on the planet. Well, that was just such a beautiful explanation of your formula. Thank you for sharing all of those things. Um, there's so much that we can learn from that and so many takeaways um, about how we can apply courage, gratitude, forgiveness, and compassion to our own lives in order to increase our own well-being and the well-being of everyone around us. So you spoke about how what a lot of people need is really just to be seen, right? All of us want to be seen. We want to be noticed. And so, and how that actually is part of the solution really to solving some of the problems that we see in our schools and in our society is that these, a lot of people just aren't feeling like that connection to other people. Um, they're not feeling like anyone sees them for who they are. So how can a program like Choose Love help to be a part of that solution? How can it help to build connections among people so that people are feeling that sense of belonging, that sense of being seen, um, and that sense of being loved? Harry, it is all about that. You hit on the heart of the whole issue of love. And that is feeling safe, seen, and celebrated. And the Choose Love program, the formula for choosing love, does exactly that by teaching essential life skills, social and emotional competence to all of us. And it's so interesting to know that these aren't skills and tools that we're born with. We actually have to learn them. And I'm talking about how to identify what you're feeling and to self-regulate, to manage your emotions, to have healthy relationships, to make responsible decisions. These seem like Gosh, obvious things that all adults must have. But interestingly enough, when I started researching these essential life skills, I realized very quickly that I did not have them. I was 44 years old when Jesse died, and I hadn't learned these skills and tools at home, which is the natural place where where we should be learning them. Um, but if you're a parent without them, I could say this because I was a parent to two kids. You can't give what you don't have. Then, of course, we know now we need to reinforce and practice these skills and tools at school. And sometimes school is the first place that kids are introduced to these, these really important concepts. And then, of course, really important to reinforce and practice them at school. Um, I didn't learn them at work. <laughs> and uh, and so I've learned them as an adult through the program. And this program is for everyone, by the way. So it is online. It is no cost. 
And it's no cost because I know it would have saved my son's life. And I know that it is a proactive, preventative solution that can reduce and prevent the suffering that not only leads to violence, but also to substance abuse and most mental illnesses. These are, that's why they're called essential life skills. They are so important. And, uh, and this is what choosing love. This is what the, the program teaches in schools. We have a special program for the home and communities because we are stronger together. It is precisely why love is more powerful than fear. Fear divides. And we can see how this is happening in our society right now. Uh, and, and there are many reasons for it, but fear divides and weakens us and love unites and strengthens us. Hence, choosing love, because when you have these essential life skills, it becomes a choice. And the majority of people, given the choice, would want to choose love over fear. Yeah, you know, I've heard that in any given moment, we can either choose a response that's based in fear or in love. So what do you think about that? I think that that is 100% accurate if you have some skills, tools, and awarenesses. I say that because I also do a lot of work in prison. In fact, we are uh, we have launched a Choose Love for Prisons program. Uh, I just went to the first graduating class, actually two, first two graduating classes in the women's prison with the Department of Corrections in New Hampshire. And in February, I'll be going to the first few graduating classes in the men's prison in New Hampshire. And then we'll be rolling this out to the rest of the country. And I say that because I speak to a lot of people who have made decisions and they didn't know that they had a choice. And, and the, this prison population is really my favorite to work with because I love explaining this to them and watching their eyes open with the realization that they had a choice and that they could have chosen love and that even in their situation now, they can choose love and help others to do the same. It is really incredible. And I'll tell you how to do that. You get in between what's happening in your life, whatever it is, whatever that thing is, and your response, your thoughtful response. When you react to something, it is not a thoughtful response. It's off the cuff. But when you get in between what is happening in your life, imagine a conflict. We all have conflicts. So you're in the middle of a conflict. Pause. Get into the present moment, the here and now, where everything is happening. You could be triggered by memories that happened in your past that are making you angry. Um, get, in, get in the present moment and then turn to whatever's happening and think about your response. That is, there's so much neuroscience behind the order of the formula for choosing love. But even in this moment, when we pause, 
we can get out of our freeze fight or flight brain. I mean, when somebody says something to us <laughs> that isn't kind, we immediately go on the defensive. That is our brain's way of keeping us safe. It's not a bad thing. It's the way that we're wired. And by the way, I don't care if you're a kindergartner or if you're over 50, which I am. It doesn't matter. Our brain works the same way. We immediately go into the defense. Now, getting in between the conflict and your response gives you the ability to take your personal power back. It gives you the ability to get beyond that freeze, fight, or flight, that survival brain, to go into the newest part of our brain, the part of our brain that differentiates us from animals, and that is called the prefrontal cortex, where logic and reasoning reside. I don't know about you, Carrie. I, mean, I do know about you, Carrie. I know that that's where you want to be making decisions, especially during conflict. We want to be thoughtfully responding with our prefrontal cortex where logic and reasoning reside, but we won't be unless we pause and we thoughtfully respond with love. This is really important, and it's what we teach in the Choose Love movement. These are the basic things, and you understand why this is so important. You understand this is a huge awareness for people that are listening and then don't know this, but then you can understand how it will be a practice and for the rest of your life, because I can tell you that there are times when I am faced with a conflict and I just get angry and I don't choose love, <laughs> but I've gotten to the point in my life where that doesn't feel good and I can back it up and I can then thoughtfully respond. I can apologize if necessary, and I can create a thoughtful response with love. And can you imagine a world where people have this awareness really is what it is, and a few skills and tools to back it up where they can thoughtfully respond with love. That's a world I want to live in. Me too. Absolutely. 100%. Uh, that would be an amazing world to live in, in which we all were actually able and had that awareness even of yes. our ability to be able to pause and thoughtfully respond to what's happening around us. And I mean, it's actually so empowering to know that we don't have to just react to what happens. We have the ability to pause and to thoughtfully respond with love. Um, but like you said, it, it starts with that awareness of knowing that that even is an option. And then and then it's like a daily practice. You know, it's, it's something that we need to continually practice and work on really probably throughout our entire lives. That's what I'm guessing. It's very um, true. And Carrie, I say life is this beautiful thing that it gives us opportunities every single day to practice choosing love. How can choosing love help us to experience greater joy? You know, we're all looking for more happiness, I think, in our lives. And how could choosing love help us to achieve that? What a beautiful question. Yes, I want to feel joy. In fact, that was something that I thought about early on, right after Jesse's murder. I remember looking out my mom's window. There was snow on the ground. I saw a, a red bird and, and Jesse loved birds. That was one of the things he had in common with my mom. And I thought about how his reaction would be to seeing that red bird. And I thought, I 
want to feel joy in my life. I do not want to be destroyed by this. I want us to go on, JT and I, I want us to have a lot of fun. And I absolutely want to feel joy. And, you know, the interesting thing is, Carrie, our brains are wired when we're born with a negative bias. So the interesting thing is we focus on negative stuff. In fact, that freeze, fight, or flight portion of our brain, the more primitive part of our brain, is four to seven times faster reacting than our prefrontal cortex. So think about what that means, right? That given situations, the first part of our brain to react is going to be our fear-centered part of our brain. And there's a reason for that because our brain's number one job is to keep us safe. And I, I want to be safe, but the thing is, for the majority of our days, we are not running from uh, threats to our lives, right? We are, we are, but we are focusing on negativity. And so choosing love, implementing this awareness and understanding that we can thoughtfully respond in different situations, circumstances, and interactions, the formula, having the courage to be grateful is a big part of finding joy because there is so much negative negative stimulus in our environment. I mean, the majority of the headlines that we read every day are negative. We have this negative bias where the majority of our thoughts between 70 to 80% of our thoughts are negative and over 95% are repetitive. So, hey, it's not just you out there listening. This is all of us. We are wired like this and it is for safety. We just have to be aware of this in order to overcome it and to make it actually work for us. And we can do that by having the courage to be grateful even when things aren't going our way and to really implementing courage practices. And there are lots of great examples in the programming that we teach in Choose Love, in the parent program. And, and I will say, people ask me, well, what are your uh, gratitude practices that you do from the moment I wake up? And I'm talking before I even open my eyes. I start taking off gratitudes. The first thing I say, I haven't even opened my eyes yet, is thank you for another day to serve, another opportunity. This is a brand new day. It's the first day of its kind I've ever had. It's completely unique and it's whatever I make of it. And so I'm going to choose to focus on the things that I can have control over. And I'm going to let the things that I don't go. And I am going to be grateful. And then from there, I literally just tick off gratitudes all day long and look for those micro moments of joy. I think about walking in from my car and I love roses. I, I My farm is called Wild Rose Farm because when I first saw it, there were wild roses all over. Now I have some cultured roses that I've planted. I think about getting out of my car one day and I'm usually carrying a whole bunch of stuff and I'm walking in and I look over and I see this absolutely gorgeous rose and I have a choice. I can, uh, I'm, I'm, piled up with stuff. I have clearly something I have to get to inside, more work, more chores, whatever they are. Or I could pause 
And I could just realize that this rose is blooming for me, that it is one of a kind, that there isn't another one like it. And I can put everything down. And that's literally and figuratively. And I can get into the present moment and I can just look at this rose and I can smell it and I can just mm, visually be present with it, with all of my senses. That is a micro moment of joy. I think sometimes we have too many expectations of what joy and happiness are. And of course, we're comparing ourselves to what we see on social media, where people look like uh, everybody's having a perfect life but me. And actually, that's not how joy works. Joy works in micro moments. And there are micro moments of joy that happen every single day for every single person. And this is regardless of what's happening in your life. Micro moments of joy, even in the midst of the tragedy, I had those. And I was aware of them. And you can elongate them by being present with them and by really enjoying them and by ingraining them in your memory. And then you can go back to them. And by the way, those micro moments of joy, that gratitude practice that you have, it actually strengthens you to be able to be more resilient and to bounce back from future difficulties that are coming down the pike. Yeah, I think that's so powerful that really, when you think about it, joy is coming from within ourselves and the way that we choose to experience the world. You know, are we trying to look through that lens of gratitude? Are we really being present to the small, beautiful things that are around us every single day? Um, I'm curious, Scarlett, you know, there's a lot of uh, focus ever since the pandemic on mental health, a growing awareness about um, the importance of supporting our mental health. So how do you think that choosing love or and, you know, applying these principles of your program and these uh, the formula, how can it help us to strengthen our mental health? Ah, such great questions, Carrie. Thank you. <laughs> so important. I mean, we were having a mental health crisis before the tragedy. And uh, and now, of course, we know that our children have been swept along with this and Choosing love is such an important part of proactive and preventative mental health measures, but even addressing an existing mental health issue. So, so important to have these skills and tools to help grow your own resilience to difficulty, uh, roadblocks, uh, and and to be able to grow through them instead of being taken down by them. You know, if you think about it, um, very, very, very few children are born with a mental illness. Um, and we know that none of them are born uh, with depression, maybe a propensity for depression. Um, no one is born a mass murderer. Uh, no one is born an addict, maybe a predisposition, but we know through the field of study called epigenetics that our thoughts can actually turn on and off our genes. Mm -hmm. 
that would lead to whatever issues, especially mental health. And so we know that by focusing on what we're thinking and making sure that our thoughts are healthy and that we have a, a practice of, of being able to be present, that we can manage our thoughts and we can use gratitude to shift the focus of our lens, then we will not spiral down. A lot of mental illness starts with a negative thought and that we don't realize that we have a choice and we fall victim to our negative thoughts and we create uh, a negative narrative. And then we go out and we look for negative feedback <laughs> that supports our narrative. And we reinforce our negative uh, narrative. And uh, so much of this has to do with our thoughts. And, you know, the interesting thing is that's the exact way that the Choose Love movement started. Um, I stood in front of the congregation at Jesse's funeral, and I literally said this whole tragedy started with an angry thought in Adam's head. And I pictured him as a little boy having an angry thought without the skills, tools, or nurturing environment to manage that thought. That thought escalated unabated into what eventually led to the attack. And the amazing thing to me is that an angry thought can be changed. It could have been changed at any time. Our thoughts are something that we control. Our thoughts impact how we feel, which then impacts our behavior and how we show up in relationships. We can control our thoughts. That's how the Choose Love movement was created, was started at Jesse's funeral. I asked everybody to think about what they think about and to choose a loving thought over an angry thought every single day. And that would be choosing love. And everybody went out to the four corners of the United States. They started calling me, emailing me, texting me about a week later, saying that one simple act had completely changed their lives. I know that there was a medical doctor in the Midwest. He happens to be my dad's best friend uh, since he was little. And he wrote my dad. He said, David, I didn't know. I've been angry my entire life. I didn't even know it. Now I'm choosing love. Now I have signs up in my office. My staff is choosing love. I'm encouraging my patients to choose love. And this is all in your head. It's all in your thoughts. So you have a lot more control over your life than you think. And it all starts with your thoughts. And this can proactively reduce and even prevent future mental illness. That's amazing. And I love how you were just touching on how this Choose Love program, it, it's not only something that can help our, our children and our, you know, our students, it's something that can help adults. And I know how you touched on earlier that, you know, you realized when you were 44 years old that you didn't have these skills, you didn't have these tools. So how is this something that we could actually bring into our lives as adults or into our workplaces to make a positive difference? 
do you know what the beautiful thing about Choose Love is that it's all the same message <laughs> all across the board. It's it, We start uh, prenatally. We have an infant-toddler program. We have pre-K through 12th grade. We've got three different types of home programs. We have a community program. We now have a prison program. Uh, we have so many different programs, leadership, athletics, uh, the list goes on but it's all the same message. People say to me, oh my gosh, how can you keep it straight? You go in, you talk to kindergartners, you talk to parents, you talk to uh, professional associations, you go into workplaces, you talk to prisons. How do you keep all those presentations straight? And I say, well, it's pretty easy because it's the same message. It's a human centric message. We're all human beings. And let me tell you something. <laughs> Some adults may not want to hear this, but we are struggling with a lot of the same issues that our kids are struggling with still because we don't practice these essential life skills in our lives every single day. And if we did, by the way, if we were aware that we are actually modeling for our children every day, all day long, these essential life skills in everything that we do, it helps us rise to the occasion and be the best version of ourselves. These aren't rocket science type things. These are very simple. I mean, listen, the one thing that you can start right now today is thinking about what you think about and choosing a loving thought over an angry thought. Hey, practice. Next time somebody says something that triggers you, stop. Stop in your tracks. Get into the present moment and think about what you're thinking about. Get curious about why that person said that to you and think about what point of pain they're coming from before you thoughtfully respond with love. Because I can tell you this, with all of my research, all of the different people that I've spoken to in prisons, school shooters, no one that I have met in the last 10 years has ever hurt someone else physically, mentally, or emotionally that has not been in a tremendous amount of pain themselves. Remember that when you're in a conflict in your own life, remember that that person is most likely coming from a point of pain and that if you can pause, be compassionate and thoughtful in your response, first of all, you can maintain the power, your own personal power, instead of giving it away to the other person. When we react from our lizard brain, we literally teach this neuroscience in the Choose Love movement. When we react from our lizard brain, we're just giving our power to the other person. But when we react from our human brain, we are maintaining our personal power within that dynamic. And that's the comfortable place to be. And uh, it's just so fascinating, isn't it? I, I love talking about it and I love practicing it in my life as well. It is just a practice and it is something that we do have to be conscious of every day, all day long. But I'll tell you this, you know, in the beginning I say, oh, it's just a formula, put it on your wall and then practice it. It's so simple. It's only four character values. Well, I'll tell you that, you know, 10 years later, all the experiences that I've been through, I can tell you it's not easy. It takes attention. 
It takes effort, but I'll tell you what, you get the best life that you can possibly live day by day. You asked how to find joy. This is how you find joy and happiness in your life. Taking responsibility for where you are right now and where you're going and modeling this for your kids. It helps you put your best foot forward. It helps you be the best version of yourself. And you know what? Life is a tenuous thing overall. I I know this. I mean, never in a million billion years did I ever think that my six-year-old son would go to school one day and not come home. But I'll tell you what, that has made me appreciate every single day that I get to serve others. It's the first thing that I say in the morning before I open my eyes. It is the last thing that I am grateful for at night, for that day, the good, the bad, the ugly, because guess what? I know that I grow through the difficult parts of the day and it's called post-traumatic growth. I've done it before. I know I'm going to do it again, especially when I'm aware of it and I'm looking at how this is going to help me grow. Yeah. Thank you for bringing it back to that concept of post-traumatic growth. I think that, you know, all of us experience trauma in some way in our lives But the key is, how are we growing from it? You know, how are we being resilient? What are we learning from it? And how are we making the world a better place, actually, through our trauma instead of just passing our trauma on to somebody else? So I think that's so important. Um, I wanted to ask you. Can I say one thing? I just wanted to add to that because I believe you're right. I believe we all experience trauma. And, you know, people, people sometimes approach me after my talks and they say, I want to share, you know, you shared your story. I'd like to share mine. It's nothing like yours. What happened to you is the worst thing that could ever happen to a human being. And then they share their story. And I realized theirs is much worse than what happened to mine. I mean, there's so many bad things that happen to good people. So, so much trauma. And I believe that We're here on this earth in order to learn from, grow through, be strengthened by our trauma and use what we've learned, that wisdom that we gained through that lived experience to help other people. I just wanted to underline what you just said. I think it's so important. Thank you. Thank you for adding that. This podcast, Coffee, Surf, Yoga, Wine, um, it's about everything that you've really been talking about, about how we can cultivate this life of true well-being, which obviously the Choose Love formula can help us to do. But I'm curious, you know, how are you applying these pillars of coffee, surf, yoga, and wine in your life? You did speak to it a little bit. You know, you talked a bit about your morning practice, how you start with gratitude. Um, Do you have any other ways that you start off your morning? Um, Any other practices that kind of set you up for success? Well, It's funny that you should ask, but coffee is one of the experiences that I really am present for in the morning. I love my coffee and I do something that a friend taught me. He called it cowboy coffee. So I make it an experience. I brew really good coffee. Sometimes I have bulletproof coffee and then I put it into a blender. I put a little bit of MCT oil. I put a teaspoon of organic 
cacao powder and I blend it up. So it's very frothy on the top and I pour it into a cup and I really try to be present with it. I really, I love the taste. I love the texture. I, I love the experience of sitting with something warm in between my hands and drinking that. And uh, I really, I, that is one of my joyful practices in the morning is that cowboy coffee. Of course, I live on a farm. I love horses. So I love the name cowboy coffee too. And then uh, you also mentioned wine and, uh, and I have been known to enjoy a nice glass or two of Malbec, uh, with friends, I don't drink alone, but when I do get together with friends, uh, I really enjoy a, a nice, really hearty, thick, dry red. And uh, and the the surfing, as you're talking about that, the surfing is not something that I've ever done. But I will tell you what, and my ambassadors in uh, in Hawaii know this. I have been blessed to visit so many times. I never visited Hawaii before the tragedy. And, uh, and, and um, Obama's sister, Maya actually invited me to the University of Hawaii and actually got me started in the state. And then Kelly Oshiro was my first ambassador. She got a grant through Ka'ele Pulu and brought the program. That was the first school on the island to teach Choose Love. They're still choosing love, by the way. And now Don O'Brien is our ambassador and we are now the most taught social emotional learning program on the island, which is amazing, but it means that I get to come and I get to visit schools. And uh, in between, if there's any time, my favorite thing I think in the whole world is to get into the water and just float and just be rocked by those waves, not too big because I didn't grow up in Hawaii and I'm not that comfortable with them, but I could just, and I can float. I don't move. I just sit there kind of like I'm sitting on a couch, but it's in this most beautiful water in the whole universe. And, uh, and, and that is something that is just something that I really love. And, and in addition to that, I live on a farm. So I have a horse, one horse right now, and a little donkey. I have chickens. I go outside and I get these gorgeous eggs in the morning. They're pink, green, blue. I bring them inside and I crack them open and, and I'll have two or three eggs every single morning. That's just with a little bit of uh, uh, cinnamon. It's like dessert for breakfast. And, uh, and then, um, you know, I love the water. So I, you know, and I am consciously aware of doing things that I love every single day, being around people that I love and focusing on that focusing on the goodness, focusing on what I have and not focusing on what I don't have. That's awesome. I think that what you just said at the end actually touches on that last pillar of yoga, you know, which I believe has to do, you know, with the way that we're being in the world and, you know, the way that we are present to our experience um, as well as potentially a physical practice. But, you know, actually, I, when I, I met you in Hawaii um, earlier this year, and I think you had just come back from India. Yes. So can you just, I mean, what did you do while you're in India or did you do anything with yoga over there or, or what did you do? 
You know, actually, I went all around the world before I saw you, and I have been all over the world. Choose Love is in 120 countries, which is so amazing, but it's love. And so, you know, it can it can be anywhere and everywhere and translated into to every dialect. So uh, we were invited to India, specifically Lucknow, to teach Choose Love in schools in the slums there. And I was introduced to the Steiner School method, which eventually became Waldorf here. And someone is translating the program into Hindi. So we were able to train the teachers there and work with the kids. And it was one of the most incredible experiences of my life. While I was there, I was with uh, someone who is a dear friend of mine. She does yoga and meditates. And so we did a lot of meditation. I think meditation is so important to get into the here and now. It uh, helps your brain and the neuroplasticity of your brain. You know that every thought you think is wiring your brain in one way or another. And so when we choose loving thoughts over angry thoughts, that is rewiring our brains towards love. Every thought that we have is leading us towards languishing and flourishing. And it's really important that we remember that. And and we do remember it when we're meditating and we're thinking about what we think about and taking that time for ourselves. So that was an incredible experience. I, you know, it's interesting because I went to Lucknow thinking that I was going to feel sorry for these people that have nothing. Uh, I mean, they they live in homes where they have gathered sticks and it's not even tarps. They just throw pieces of rags and different pieces of plastic and garbage that they found what we would consider garbage as, as a, 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 a structure. And then there's no furniture. They sleep on the ground. And I'll tell you what, these kids were clean. They were smiling. There were no homeless on the side of the road. There were no people with mental illness that were walking around. They were being taken care of in family units. Um, this, This concept of caring and being responsible for each other, of seeing the humanity in one another was so evident. It was so beautiful. And rather than feeling sorry for them, I left feeling sorry for us because I feel like we have lost that kind of generational pull within our families. And we've become very isolated. Now I say this, but also with the understanding that I think Hawaii better than any other state has that down. You guys, you guys have so much respect for each other and, and your families. And I love to hear about the families, the generations that get together, that pull together during tough times. And I just love that about Hawaiians. Uh, and, and so I'm kind of excluding you guys when I say that I felt sorry for us because I feel the rest of us have, have lost that to a certain extent. And I really think that that's going to be a necessary component to get back to. Yeah, that is so true. And, you know, I just think it's so amazing how, you know, you witnessed how their culture there is, you know, so loving and so caring. And yet, you know, they want to bring your program into their community. So to me, 
it just shows how, like you were saying earlier, that these skills and, and your program, it just transfers, you know, across age groups, across countries, across nations. It's, you know, it's just, it's just like a universal truth um, that we can all learn from and apply to our lives. So thank you so much, Scarlett, for all of the wisdom that you shared today. Um, you are such an amazing person and I am just so grateful for all of the good that you're putting out into the world. How can others connect with you? Thank you so much for having me, Carrie. Thank you for everything that you do as a superhero educator. You are amazing. I appreciate you so much. You have the hardest job in the world, yet you show up every day. So thank you. Thank you for having me on your podcast. And I encourage everyone listening to go to the website, chooselovemovement.org take the pledge, just read through it, take the pledge. It's the perfect time. We're at the beginning of a year and commit yourself to practicing. We, uh, once you take the pledge, you'll be signed up for our daily dose. That is a daily email that you get with action items that you can do and examples of how schools, homes, and communities are choosing love around the world. Submit a story about how you're choosing love in your schools, in your homes, in your communities. And in that daily email, you will also get a calendar in advance of the month that it serves and that calendar provides ways every single day, positive actions that you can take every single day to combat anxiety and to be your best self. We also sell calendars, but we're giving this away in our daily dose. So really embrace that. And by the way, help us spread the message. This is a movement. And so we spread this by word of mouth and referral only. So please be part of the movement and help us spread the message on social media with your friends and family. Go to your child's school, see, make sure that they have an expansive program. It doesn't have to be Choose Love, but make sure that it's embraced by everyone. Uh, I like Choose Love because you can do it in school, you can do it in home. It's a common vernacular and everybody can be on the same page, but make sure that you get involved. I guarantee you with your money back, of course it's a free program, but that it will make you feel better, that it will help you show up in your relations by being your best self. You can turn over a new leaf. It will start to rewire your brain in a more positive direction. This is also exciting. And I would love to hear your feedback. We are all in this together. We are stronger together. And so let's create the world together that we want to live in. And let's choose love. Amazing. You are so generous, Scarlett. Um, and thank you so much for all of the good that you're putting out into the world. And yeah, just thank you so much for being here today. This was such a pleasure and an honor. It was amazing. Thank you so much, Carrie. Wow. What a phenomenal conversation. Scarlett has such a wealth of knowledge and insight and the work she's doing in the world is so inspirational. There were so many mic drops and her words are so powerful. Some of my biggest takeaways were, as human beings, we're designed to grow through difficulty and we can be strengthened by the challenges in our life. This is called post-traumatic growth. Forgiveness is a gift you give to yourself. 
It is a path to freedom. Joy works in micro moments, and you can elongate them by being present to them. Choosing love helps us to support our mental health. When we choose loving thoughts over angry thoughts, we are rewiring our brains towards love. When we have the courage to step outside of our own busyness and distraction, or even our pain and suffering, to help someone else, we help and heal ourselves. What was your biggest takeaway from this episode? If you enjoyed this conversation or got something out of it, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. It would mean so much to me to hear about how this podcast is impacting you. Also, if you know someone who would benefit from this episode, please share it with them. Please also connect with me on Instagram at Coffee Surf Yoga Wine. You can also join my Coffee Surf Yoga Wine Facebook group at www.facebook.com slash groups slash Coffee Surf Yoga Wine. I would love to have you as a part of our growing wellness community. Thank you so much for helping this podcast to grow. Till next time, may you be well and enjoy some coffee, surf, yoga, and wine.